Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Hello and welcome to The Sidebar, presented by True Crime Daily, taking you inside the courtrooms of high-profile and notorious cases from across the country. I'm your host, Joshua Ritter. I'm a criminal defense lawyer based in Los Angeles and previously an L.A. County prosecutor for nearly a decade. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at JoshuaRitterESQ or at JoshuaRitter.com. We are recording this on Friday, February 9th, 2024. In this week's episode, the latest on the Delphi murders case as the suspected killer Richard Allen has his attorneys reinstated after months of delays in the highly anticipated trial. Plus, the parents of an OnlyFans model who was charged with fatally stabbing her boyfriend have been arrested after allegedly attempting to destroy evidence. But first, a landmark verdict as the mother of the Oxford High School mass shooter has been convicted on four counts of involuntary manslaughter for the lives taken by her son that tragic day. Today, we are joined by Anjanette Levy, a Emmy-nominated reporter, legal correspondent, host on the Law and Crime Network, and a friend of the show. Anjanette, welcome back. Thanks for having me, Josh. I'm really excited to be here. Oh, good. I'm I'm looking forward to this, too, because I know you follow these cases so closely. And these are some big uh, uh, moments in some of these cases that we're going to be talking about. And I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on them. So let's jump right in. First, we go to Detroit, Michigan, where it's hard to imagine a trial more closely watched by legal analysts and parents alike than the recent conviction of a mother of a school shooter for her failure to intervene in her son's actions. 
Jennifer Crumbly, the mother of Oxford school shooter Ethan Crumbly, faced four counts of involuntary manslaughter for the deaths of four students who were killed in the massacre. Prosecutors spent weeks meticulously highlighting the actions of Jennifer Crumbly the day of the shooting, criticizing Crumbly for not taking the opportunity to remove her son from school after a teacher uncovered a disturbing drawing and school officials called a conference with the boy's parents. The jury foreperson recently spoke with media outlets claiming that for her, far more problematic was the mother's failure to keep the gun properly secured from the child. Evidence in the trial included footage of Crumbly firing the weapon at a shooting range with her son the last time the weapon was seen before the fatal attack. Crumbly is scheduled to be sentenced in April of this year and could face up to 15 years in prison. She has already been in custody for two years since the time of her arrest. Meanwhile, her husband, James Crumbly, will face trial for the same four counts next month. And Jeanette, like I said, I know you followed this closely. I, I first want to know, what was your reaction to this verdict? Was this surprising to you or did you see this one coming? I, I was a little surprised because I thought when they went home uh, the first night after deliberating, I thought, Maybe maybe it'll be a hung jury because I could see how if you're a parent, you, you could think, well, you know, if it were my kid, am I really going to be held responsible if my kid does something that I think is unthinkable and that my kid wouldn't do? But then again, you had him at school with these drawings and you gave him a gun, even if you say, oh, I bought it as a gift and we were taking him to the range and we didn't think he was going to put it in his book bag and take it to school. Um, so I wasn't completely surprised when when they said they had a verdict, you knew it wasn't going to be a hung jury because then they would have said they would have brought the jury out and said there was a hung jury and that they were sending them back in or there was a mistrial. Uh, so you knew they weren't going to find her more than likely not guilty. I mean, there were four students dead and it yeah. just looked terrible that you show up to school after being called and say you're being told that there, there's an issue with your son. He's got these drawings, but then you're like. Instead of talking to your kid and saying, okay, like I, I just put myself in her shoes and I think to myself, I would have had my kid brought down and I would have said, okay, what's going on? Or I would have taken him home and I, we would have sat down in the living room or I would have taken him out for ice cream and I would have been like, what, what is going on? Like, tell me what's going on. I, that, that is so serious that, yeah. that that is not like a joking matter. And I even know at my son's school, if something like that had happened, there wouldn't have been any sending him back to school uh, or sending him back to class. I mean, he's in elementary school. They would have taken that very seriously. And so I, I'm not completely shocked. And she, the four person had told um, some media outlets, including the Today Show, that Jennifer Crumbly was really the last person to be around that gun and should have had it secured. And when you own guns, you do have a responsibility, especially when you have children in the house, to make sure they're secured and to ensure that your kids don't have ready access to them, especially when you have a child who is making claims like this and saying things about things flying around, whether it was months before or not. I mean, he's literally telling his parents, like, I need help. And you're yeah. and you're you're saying suck it up and giving him a melatonin or whatever. It's to me, it's just nuts. I mean, I, I know a lot of people are ignorant about this stuff, but but come on, your kid is yeah. saying I need help. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously the jurors saw that way. I I will admit I 
I did not see this coming. I, I agreed w with you. I thought after that first day, you know, they're going to take the entire week and then they're going to come back and say they're hung because it's such a difficult question as for all the reason that you've pointed out. And that's why it's funny to me because a lot, you know, we, people who follow this, we've all been talking about it, all the ins and outs and back and forth. And it seems like the jurors, like you pointed out, were most concerned on the fact that she was the last adult to handle that gun beforehand. And it's almost like they just made a very kind of logical progression of you have a troubled child, you have a gun in the home, you're the last one who had it, you didn't secure it properly, mm -hmm. and therefore he went out and and did this horrible, horrible thing. Sounds like it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's that's that's it. I mean, you had a kid who was basically drawing this stuff out at school, and yet you bought him a gun for Christmas to use at the range, you say, but then you didn't make sure that thing was locked up. Yeah. So, I, so I think you probably are, you know, in, in some respects, I kind of look at it. This was the first case where this has happened, criminal, cr criminal, like criminal case, at least, right. uh, where a parent was found, you know, liable. But in some ways, this screams more of like civil liability to me. Um, but obviously, I think that there were some, so, there were so many bad facts in this case regarding the parents, you know, just having more interest in doing a lot of other things. I'm not saying they didn't love their son, but it just seems like a lot of other stuff was going on in their lives that took priority over their son's mental health and, of course, making sure that gun was locked up. Yeah. This case obviously made news for several reasons. It, it made news because it's another school shooting. It was an awful moment in history it made news because they charged the parents for the first time like we've talked about many times but i also think one of the main reasons people are concerned with this is they want to know what happens now what are it's hard to imagine a case in recent history where people are asking the question about the potential ripple effects of this verdict i'm curious to hear your thoughts on that do you think this case is kind of an outlier distinguished by the facts or do you think that we might see more prosecutors uh, being more aggressive about this in regards to either parents or teachers or guardians uh, moving forward from here. I mean, I, th I think it certainly could set a precedent if there's another school shooting, possibly they go back, you know, maybe they think, well, in Michigan, they went looking to see what was going on with the child. And then they went to see what was going on with the parents. And, th and that's what they did here. And so that might happen again. I mean, I, I kind of think back to Sandy Hook. Would they have done that in that yeah. case had Adam Lanza not killed his mother? Yeah. Maybe, because remember, she bought the gun for him too. Yeah. Um, so, and and that was a, you know, horrific. All these things are horrific. So, um, you know, that was different, obviously, because he he killed himself. He, I mean, that was very well thought out by this child. Like he he killed his mother, he killed himself, and then destroyed his computer, so they couldn't find a lot of evidence. So um, I think it does kind of set a precedent. This may be an outlier in that maybe you don't have parents of other school shooters who are who are doing things like giving a child who has had mental health issues a gun and having him have access to it. I mean, 
if you're going to have a gun in your house, and, and I can say this because I have guns in my house, <laughs> not because I want to, um, but because they are my husband's, uh, we have a safe and yeah. it has a a thing, you know, a combination, like nobody can get into that thing unless you yeah. have the combination. It's a very secure thing. And, and those guns are never laying around, you know. No. I mean, it's to the point that we have laws that gun manufacturers won't sell weapons without some sort of securing device. Every time you purchase a gun, it comes along with some sort of gun lock or something yes. that you're expected to use. And I know that, you know, that may vary how people uh, protect their weapons in the home, but it sounds like, obviously, in this case, they didn't do enough that he was able to have access to it being a minor child. Um, and it sounds like that's what the jurors were focused on. So per perhaps that may be, like you said, in the um, Sandy Hook case, those facts were very similar. Perhaps that may be something that's kind of a deciding factor uh, moving forward. But th this isn't the end of it because now James Crumbly is going to go on trial. They were, And they I were think tried he's worse separately. off. I yeah, think he's worse off that. than Jennifer. Um, well, first of all, I just want to say, like, I mean, as a public service announcement, most law enforcement departments, police departments, sheriff's offices, if you want a gun lock, if you have a gun, those places a lot of times will, they have them to hand out yeah. to the public free of charge, first of all. Second of all, if you have guns in your house, like, buy a safe. It's yeah. much, it's much more, it's much less expensive to buy a gun safe that is secure with a, you know, the doo -doo -doo -doo, you know, and right. on it than to have something like this happen. But James Crumbly, he's the one that actually purchased the gun. He's the one telling his son in text messages to suck it up and giving him a melatonin or whatever. And I just think he could be in a lot, he could be in a worse spot than his wife. So, you know, maybe I'm wrong about that, but I, I will just have to see how the evidence comes out. But just I, the fact that you're buying a handgun for a kid Come on, like a handgun. Yeah. Like I, I lived in Wisconsin. That was my where I lived for my first reporting job. And people up there, they hunt. I mean, they take their kids hunting, but it's like with these long guns and yeah. you're, you have to supervise your child. Giving a child a handgun is yeah. really dumb. I mean, I'm yeah. sorry, like it's just stupid. You know, it, it's not like you were, you were taking him to the shooting range, fine. Um, but in, there are different cultures surrounding this in different parts of the country, but I just don't think it's a very smart thing to do. No, no. And and obviously the jurors agreed with you. And it's and like you said, it's more than just, you know, like you said, all people who own a weapon should have that properly secured at home. Especially if you have children in the home. And yes. especially if you have children who have demonstrated they're dealing with mental health a mental health crisis that may include violence. I mean, it, one of the things that was pointed out is that they sat there in that meeting with the school talking about the troubling things their child was doing and didn't inform them that, by the way, we have a weapon in the house. Right. That, I mean, or how about like, how about like, hey, Jen, or hey, James, hey, where's that gun? Like, do you know where yeah. that gun is? Like, yeah. um, I don't get it. Like, I don't no. get it. And if my kid, and I get that not a lot of people are informed about this stuff. A lot of people are not. I mean, Josh, we see such horrific, horrible things in our jobs. I mean, so we no. are very probably like hyper aware of this stuff. But you have to, you have to kind of like, you know, if my kid is saying something like that, 
I am going to be darn sure he literally cannot get into the gun safe. And I'd probably be going to my husband and being like, I, I want that thing out of the house. Like, yeah. I want that safe out of the house now. Figure it out. Like, you know, if and, and our kid is going down to the psychiatric unit of the local children's hospital and we're fixing this now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one last topic I wanted to ask you about this, and, and I agree with you about James Crumbly. I, in my view, she had the stronger case as far as the defense. Yeah, because he's she toast could point, as far as I can see. She could point toward him being, he's the one that bought it. The gun was kind of his thing with Ethan. I, we, we, I was kind of out of it. Obviously, the jurors didn't feel that way, but that's the defense she was trying to make. And, I, and James doesn't have those same defenses. My question, though, is he is getting a separate trial. He's getting new jurors. He is getting new attorneys. He's getting a whole different argument. Things could turn out differently. No one is saying this is a slam dunk. What do you think is going to be the reaction if he gets acquitted of this? Now you have well, the mother convicted and the father acquitted and they both seem to share culpability. Uh I mean, it could be very interesting. <laughs> Who knows what his attorneys are going to do? And, uh, you know, I will say, I, I, you know, I, I hate to be critical of people, but her attorney, and at some points I'm like, is this a, was this an act? You know, yeah. this whole like, oh, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I, I don't know how to pronounce cash. I'm calling it a cachet of guns. And, oh, look at me. I, I'm a mess throughout this whole case and my leaning yeah. tower of pizza of, uh, pizza of, uh, files. I mean, like, I was like, yeah. Is this kind of an act? Because then in her closing, all she she said, I could be her. You've seen all my flaws, you know, and all of this yeah. stuff. I'm like, maybe this whole thing was a, a shtick so that she could later in closing say, look, none of us are perfect and I could be her. But maybe his attorneys have, I don't know, maybe they're, they've got some rabbit they're going to pull out of the hat. Maybe there's something something he's going to say if he gets on the stand that will show that I don't Listen, know. Like I thought she I thought Jennifer had the gun locked up. I don't know. Like I, she was the last one to have it. How am I supposed to know? You know, like who knows? He may throw her under the bus. The, 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 in all my years of doing trials, the only guarantee I can give, give you is there's no guarantees and that I, I don't care how true, true uh, how, how strong you feel your case is. You go in there and things happen and jurors see things different ways and mm -hmm. arguments are made and the judge makes decisions that weren't, no one anticipated and things just turn out differently. I, I mean, that's not to say that our criminal justice system is a crapshoot, but I'm just saying that you cannot you cannot uh, be guaranteed any kind of resolution uh, how these things are going to turn out. So. Well, like I said, we're going to be talking about it for a few months more and probably beyond that um, yeah. as his case is approaching. When you love someone, you protect them the best ways that you can. That's why I recommend Simply Safe Home Security. It's an advanced system that protects every inch of your home and backed up with 24-7 professional monitoring for fast emergency response for less than a dollar a day. One of my favorite parts about Simply Safe is how easy it is to use. If you don't want to set it up yourself, that's no problem. You can get one of their expert technicians to come to your house and install it for you. It's that easy. Simply Safe is trusted by experts. It was named Best Home Security Systems of 2024 by US News and World Report. And Simply Safe offers everything you need for the whole 
home protection, HD cameras for indoors and outdoors, advanced motion sensors, and entry sensors to protect doors, windows, and rooms, plus a collection of hazard sensors that detect fire, flooding, and more. Simply Safe is powered by 24-7 professional monitoring. So whenever your home is threatened, trained agents spring into action for emergency dispatch and response, all for under a dollar a day. Plus, with the 60-day risk-free trial, if you don't love your system, return it for a full refund. Simply Safe even covers the return shipping. Order now to get 20% off any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring. Don't wait. Visit simplysafe.com/truecrime. That's simplysafe.com/truecrime. There's no safe like Simply Safe. I'm Glennon Doyle, author of Untamed and host of the podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. On We Can Do Hard Things, my wife, Abby, my sister, Amanda, and I talk honestly about the hard parts of life. Join us and guests like Michelle Obama, Tracy Ellis Ross, and Brene Brown as we have refreshingly honest conversations. New episodes are out every Tuesday and Thursday. So listen to and follow We Can Do Hard Things, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and everywhere you get your podcasts. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, TEND is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Let's turn um, to Indianapolis, Indiana, where Indiana's higher court has released their opinion on a number of motions filed by the suspected killer of two Delphi teens. Richard Allen, who has been charged with the murder of Abby Williams and Libby German, has been granted the opportunity to have his original legal counsel reinstated following their abrupt dismissal by a trial court judge last year. In the ruling, the court uh, justice noted that the trial judge did not have the authority to disqualify Allen's attorneys without considering other options, despite the alleged evidence leaks and gag order violations. While the court allowed Allen to retain his original counsel, his request to remove the trial judge was denied. Allen's defense team also filed a motion this week to have criminal charges dismissed on the basis of allegedly destroyed evidence. Get this, this week's motion claims someone destroyed multiple interviews recorded between February 14th and 20th of 2017. These interviews, according to the defense, could play a vital role in proving Allen's innocence. A hearing is scheduled for February 12th. Finally, Allen's request for the trial to commence within 70 days was also denied with the court citing Allen's failure to file the request with the trial court. Now the fiasco of Allen's legal counsel has been resolved. The trial is ostensibly on track to begin in October. Okay. And Jeanette, first talk to us about this back and forth battle about his defense team. What What is the significance of all of this? Why, were, why was the judge trying to kick him off? Why was he asking for them back? Fill us in. Well, a friend of one of the attorneys um, leaked graphic crime scene photos to podcasters and YouTubers. And those photos ended up on the internet, of course, and how, you know, when things get on the internet, Josh, as you know, 
they're there forever. Uh, I'm yeah. sure somebody, if they went digging deeply enough, they could find these awful, awful photos showing these poor girls murdered horrifically. And so uh, this friend went to the law office, took photos of the photos, and then leaked them to somebody. So the judge, as a remedy, said, well, these guys have to get off the case. And so she came out and said, well, they, they, you know, she came out after a in-chambers meeting with those lawyers uh, one day and she's, she informed everybody they've withdrawn. Well, they were like, no, we didn't. You're saying we withdrew. We didn't want to withdraw. And Richard Allen wanted to keep those lawyers. He believes in this defense team and he felt that they shouldn't have been removed by Judge Gall. So he took it to the high court. The high court agreed and he was allowed to keep uh, he, he was his defense team was reinstated. Judge Gall, I'm sure, did not like that her decision was overturned um, by the Supreme Court because this is a high profile case. So it, it, to me, it makes her look bad, like she yeah. really screwed up. <laughs> and so it gets sent back to her. And now the prosecution wants these uh, attorneys, he, they want some sort of sanctions against them. They filed for this and they're asking for that hearing to be delayed because they're saying, we don't have counsel for this. We haven't had time to prepare for this hearing on the 12th. We just got back on the case. So it, it's a big mess. Yeah. Richard Allen it, wanted Judge Gall <laughs> off the case. I'm sure that made her mad too. Um, the high court said, no, we're not going to do that. So they, they, so the case is back with Judge Gall as it always was. Uh, but I just think it's it's looked very inept. Plus, this whole the, the charges are not going to get dismissed. First of all, that's not going to happen, in my opinion. I, I will, you know, have egg on my face if that happens. But just because they deleted these interviews, which is insanity to me, even if they were on tape, there should be a typed up transcript as well. Um, you know, they're saying this is exculpatory evidence that could help Richard Allen in his defense. There should be another record of this somewhere. And if there isn't, then that is a huge mistake. So I I don't think the charges are going to get tossed because of that. But it's just another thing with this case that looks like it's been mishandled. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we, we were talking about this a little bit before we began that it it seems like you see this pattern of these really high profile national tension type cases that happen to take place in these smaller jurisdictions and i don't mm -hmm. want to get hate mail from people saying that they can't handle big cases in small towns that's not what i'm saying i'm just saying that sometimes it seems as though everybody can't get out of their own way when right. it's a big case that they know everyone is paying attention to and they start to do things differently than they normally would have and it leads to these all these types of mistakes that you're talking about which the tragic result of all of that is you've got a very important case here about two murdered children that's now got all of this noise and nonsense surrounding it. I, the 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 judge. I'm just going to weigh in on these things really quickly. But the judge refusing to allow a defendant to have his own attorneys of his choosing when those attorneys are saying we want to be his lawyer is nearly unheard of. It's a it's constitutional insane. right. Now well, it's that doesn't mean that a judge right. Yeah. It doesn't mean a judge can't find some um extenuating circumstance to say she's not going to allow that, but this didn't seem to rise to that level. So you're right. Goes to the Supreme Court, they agree with both what you and I are saying, <laughs> send it back down. 
And now you do have a situation where you've got these attorneys who know the judge wanted them kicked off for essentially being inept. Right. And they've got a judge that they, they are they going to feel like they're going to get a fair shake out of this no. whole thing? Is the defense uh, defending going to feel that way? I no. think she should have recused herself, but I, she's I, still on yes. the case. Yes. Um, and then I, I agree right. with you. And can I just say, Josh, Please. like the Delphi, Indiana, I just Googled it. The population of Delphi, Indiana is 2,972, according to the 2021 numbers. That is a very small town. Yeah. Okay. So uh, that is not the type of place that deals with a lot of homicide cases. Correct. And you add in the fact that this was two young girls, okay, uh, around Valentine's Day. This scared the, I'm sure, just the daylights out of that community. You've got these grieving families. You've got national attention on it. I, I'm sure this would have been a lot for any jurisdiction to handle. Oh, absolutely. And then absolutely. you bring in the feds, you get all these different cooks in the kitchen, you know, to handle this case. It's a big deal. And I mean, they brought in ISP, Indiana State Police, of course, first. That's what a lot of these, I mean, I covered cases in Indiana when I worked in local news. So they always bring in Indiana State Police first because they have more expertise in handling homicide investigations, but then they bring in the feds. And so you get all these cooks in the kitchen and everybody's got a finger in it somewhere and doing something. And so I just think that these things tend to turn into a mess. And I do think that Judge Gall, she's looking, she and the prosecutor are kind of looking a little bit like sour grapes here yeah. <laughs> with this like motion for sanctions because of the photographs. I mean, if, if, if you're a lawyer, Josh, and you're you, a friend that you trust comes over to your office and he just kind of traipses into the conference room where you've been working and he takes some photos, that's your friend's fault. And he screwed yeah. up. And that guy is facing criminal charges right now. Um, you should like not be friends with him anymore. That's a right. really big deal. <laughs> he violated your trust. So yeah. I know, is it, should these lawyers really face sanctions when somebody did something to betray their trust like that? I, I don't know. I, I mean, if if it's if it clearly comes out that way that they had no role in it, then I think absolutely not. Like you said, the, you know, yes, the judge put this all under gag order. And in any criminal case, you're expected to have protect that evidence and not just Correct. hand it out to the public. But, you know, accidents happen. You want to know how we know accidents happen? The prosecution apparently recorded over some very important interviews before they handed right. that over to the defense. So no one's perfect. No one's without blame in this entire case. And just to close the loop on that conversation, that's even more troubling to me is the fact that you have evidence that's now been destroyed that the defendant can't get to that appears to be something that they would have liked to have explored. And I agree with you. No way the judge is going to dismiss this case. No, no way. No. Two murdered children, the entire country watching, no way. And so what but, does she do? She'll say, I'll allow you to get into it on cross-examination. And that that's just not a sufficient answer. I'm sure they're going to have a field day with it and talk about how inept this this investigation was and blah, 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 blah. But that that to me, I don't, I don't know if that is a satisfactory remedy for all of this. But Josh, also, I mean, you were a prosecutor. You're now a defense attorney. They should have, even if it's on tape or whatever they were using, a, a CD, a digital recorder, there should still have been a written record, uh, yeah. whether it was a summary or a tr written transcript uh, of yeah. that uh, oh, I, to I, accompany the 
the recording. I am I am sure someone took notes. At the bare minimum, someone's notes, got some notes. Notes stink. Notes stink. <laughs> I want a transcript. Right. <laughs> You're supposed right. to hand that over to like some typist person at the sheriff's office or the whatever, and they're supposed to transcribe this and make sure that I mean, that's what I've seen in cases well, and, where there's something like, I mean, I thought that's how it worked, is that you're supposed to have both, but maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I, maybe right. they do it different well, in Indiana, no, you're, but you're, I mean, you're no, throwing you're this guy wrong. into I maximum mean, security prison when he's not right. even been convicted of a crime. Give me a break. This whole thing well, is just a hot mess. <laughs> and like you, and like we've been saying, this is not a small case for that department. So no. you would imagine they would be taking extra efforts to make sure they're doing everything right. And if that means you take the audio recording and immediately hand it over to have somebody transcribe it you go ahead and do that but you don't wait years and then find out that the thing got destroyed and you don't have a backup like you said it's 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 a mess end of story you put it best the whole thing is a mess um and it's you know apparently going to go to trial sometime this year we'll see i'm sure we're going to hear a lot more about that case before it actually gets inside of a courtroom This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Finally, we turn to Miami, Florida, where the parents of an OnlyFans model who was charged with her boyfriend's murder found themselves in hot water last week after authorities arrested the pair in connection with the case. Courtney Clenny, who was arrested in August of 2022, stands accused of fatally stabbing her boyfriend, Christian Obamselli, in the midst of a heated argument. Now her mother, Deborah Clenny, and father, Kim Clenny, have been charged with unauthorized use of a computer for their alleged misuse of a laptop owned by the victim. Prosecutors claim the parents gained access to the computer, which was not collected in investigators' initial sweep in an attempt to conceal evidence. An attorney for Clenny's claims that the charges are without merit, alleging that prosecutors are attempting to control the narrative by preventing the parents from speaking ahead of a gag order hearing this week. Clenny has now been charged with computer-related offenses along with the second-degree murder charge she was already facing. However, Clenny's defense maintains that the victim's stabbing was an act of self-defense, claiming that the relationship was tumultuous and alleging that her boyfriend was abusive. The parents have bonded out on custody while their daughter remains behind bars ahead of her trial. And Jeanette, what what is going on here? Is this is this parents doing all that they can to protect their daughter, or is this something far more nefarious in your view? 
Well, it certainly doesn't look good um, <laughs> trying to get passwords to get into somebody's computer to look for things that might be incriminating to your daughter. It looks terrible. And I'm, I'm sure that every parent would want to do whatever they could to help their daughter. But when you start talking about something like this, it's very, very serious. And they were they were kind of texting, according to the prosecution, the lawyers for Courtney Clenny, trying to find passwords and things like that. So, I mean, I, I, the the lawyers, you know, the lawyers for Courtney Clenny, and I've interviewed them. I've also interviewed the attorneys representing the Abba Sully family, and this is going to be a very contentious case. I mean, both yeah. sides are pointing the finger at the other. Both will say this was a toxic relationship between Courtney and Christian, and these two should not have been together. And they they argued, they fought. One says the other was abusive to the other. And that, you know, Courtney's claiming she was defending herself, but Christian's family says, no, she was the abuser the entire time. And we see all these yeah. tapes and everything of her. You know, I don't think we've seen anything of him. I've not seen anything of him abusing her, but her attorneys claim they're gonna present evidence of him being abusive at her trial. Um, this is not a good look. This is not good. No. I mean, because at trial, they're going to say she had she and her parents were kind of working together to possibly destroy evidence of her wrongdoing. No. Uh, so I, I don't know if every parent goes to this length when their daughter is charged with a crime. I do know that. And if you read the complaint, uh, Courtney did call her mother, uh, apparently after Christian was stabbed. So the prosecution is saying that looks you know, that's a bad fact for Courtney. Uh, so I don't know. I think we'll have to wait and see how this who plays else out. Is she going to call, by the way? I mean, that, 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 that's not super shocking to me. Oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> like, that, that her first like call wasn't to, to get help. Him. You I stab him, saying. but don't call your mom. Call 911. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah, you bring up the the point, Anjanette, that there there is at least, I've seen video um, that's making the rounds on the internet of her what looks to be pretty pretty violently going after him inside of an elevator and i think the point being not so much that they had this tumultuous and perhaps even physically violent relationship but he looks like he's not really responding to much of it which might build itself into the prosecution's case we'll wait to see if the defense has evidence to show otherwise which they claim again i'm so happy that we have you on this show because you do have access having interviewed all of the people involved in all of this one of the things that we're hearing about um arguments being made by her team is that this was a shared computer and that's an interesting point to me if it's a computer they both use then it's not like they're inappropriately accessing something unless they're going on there to destroy stuff and wipe it what are your thoughts well, if they're going on there to destroy items uh, that could be evidence, then that yeah. is definitely bad. It, it's that's it's a, all that's about their intent. Yeah, and end of story. Period. That's a crime. But if they don't, if they're allowed to have access, the simple accessing of it, what do you, is that a crime? Well, I don't think access. I mean, if she's saying, "Mom and Dad, I need you to get into this laptop because I yeah. I need you to get my banking information," that's one thing. If they're going on there, you know, I, according to what I read, the the complaint from the state, and I'm sure the defense could say, "Well, they're they're just cherry picking whatever." You know, they were trying to actively get into this laptop, and they're asking um, Courtney's defense attorneys for possible passwords, and they're like, "We don't have anything." 
it's all about why they were trying to get on the computer. That's going to yeah. be the question. And apparently yeah. there are text messages discussing this. So yeah. the question is, why were they trying to get in there and what was their intent? And did they have a right to get in there as well? I mean, if that if that is clearly his property, then, you know, murder case or not, they're they're essentially trying to break into someone else's property, which is a crime in itself. So, I mean, it was whatever happened, it's enough that the prosecution made an arrest. So that's pretty, pretty unheard of territory to start arresting the parents of 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 people. Um, kind of like in the, the crumbly case. <laughs> I was just going to say not 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 entirely unheard of, but we're apparently we're seeing a trend. But um, my last uh, kind of point on this was the the gag order in this case the, as a reporter it seems to me we're seeing this happen more and more where prosecutors are asking for these gag orders in these high profile cases and they're saying you know media access becoming what it has become we have to protect the 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 sanctity of this case and the integrity of the trial but it is creating this kind of um trend at least in my view of cases where we really don't know what's going on because no one's able to talk what are your thoughts especially as a reporter who covers this stuff um i really cannot stand gag orders i think they're obnoxious um i think that if you have um and i know it's funny because in the idaho case judge judge and that's his name judge john judge <laughs> um judge judge says well it's not a gag order it's a non-dissemination order and i'm like Okay, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, right. Nobody's talking because of your, the order that they agreed right. to. But anyway, um, and I like Judge Judge. You know, I think he's a pretty level-headed guy. But I, I do not like them. Um, I think that attorneys hide behind these when they don't want to answer questions. I get that they want to preserve a defendant's right to a fair trial. Um, but at the same time, I think that these are used by attorneys at times when they just don't want to deal with the press or yeah. they don't want to put information out there. Yeah. Um, they can still talk. <laughs> this is what drives me crazy about gag orders because the first time I ever encountered, encountered a gag order on a case was back in 2006. The lawyers could talk to us, but the, the, the prosecutor had held this outrageous press conference that ticked everybody off, you know, it was just too graphic, released all this graphic information that was in a criminal complaint, shouldn't have done it, should have held a press conference, but not gone into all this detail, right? So they were allowed to still talk to us about filings or to clarify information like, okay, this is a motion to do this or a motion to do that. They just didn't want them going on TV and granting all these interviews and saying all these different things about the case in advance of the trial. That's a totally different thing. But I think that it is very difficult to report on a case when you have attorneys, prosecutors and defense attorneys are like, oh, it, well, but there's a gag order, so we can't say anything, or a non-dissemination order, so I can't say anything. Well, that is not entirely true. I mean, as long as you're not out there on the courthouse steps or whatever, making prejudicial extrajudicial statements about the defendant or the prosecution's case, I think that you should still be able to talk a little bit. And so I think that these things go to the extreme and sometimes both sides use them and they hide behind them just because they don't want to deal with the press. That's just yeah. my opinion. And I think it's well, obnoxious. It drives me nuts. I, 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 I agree with you 
in in your overall point that I think they're being over overused and that they they can become obnoxious. And the other thing they do is they they tend to um, ironically sometimes uh, promote bad information because some rumor will get out there and there's yes. no one to really correct it. And now everybody's kind of running on this speculation of stuff that they found on the internet and it, it none of it tr pr uh, proves to be true. And I can yeah, the, understand uh, it, it turns into um, anonymous sources, right? right so right, you get information right. from these anonymous sources and it's like, okay, yeah. which anonymous sources? Because I've yeah. there have been cases where I've seen some anonymous source information that later turned out to be not true. It was right. not, it was false. Right. So I, I think that that, There's it no breeds source. that as well. <laughs> yeah. It breeds misinformation. Yeah. yeah. And, um, but at the same time, I can understand that, you know, we live in an age where just people have so much access to information and you don't want a jury pool that is completely, you know, tainted before they're right. even picked. And you also don't want um, your current sitting jurors to just be inundated with so much coverage that they, they can't avoid it even if they try to. Right. But at the same time, I mean, part of our system is that it is it is open. It is we do pull back the curtain. We do want to hear uh, what people um, uh, are, you know, what what's going on in the minds of of the the defense team and the prosecution. But I agree with you. I I I don't know. I just think a more balanced approach rather than these kind of hardline approaches these judges seem to be taking. No. No, I think that there has to be a balance. Yeah. There there should be a balance. But, and I think it's gotten worse with social media. Okay, and I get that. Everybody's got a cell phone. They get push alerts. They see stuff on these Facebook groups or what have you. But at the same time, Josh, I mean, I don't know how many times I've sat through jury selection and jurors have said stuff like, well, I don't, I don't really believe what I see on the news. And, and frankly, who's watching the local news every, every night anymore? <laughs> Nobody. Nobody's doing that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no offense to my friends who work in local news, but look at a rating sheet. Nobody's watching yeah. anymore. So everything's coming in on your cell phone or you're on a Reddit group or what have you. So it's just a different, there's, it's different delivery these days. Yeah. And, and, and I, despite, our efforts unless you're going to lock people in a room without a cell phone for the entire duration of the trials that it's going to happen if it, especially on these super high profile cases but Josh can you even imagine sequestering a jury these days they would no. revolt oh there's there no way there is no way you they would just you know what it. they would do they would just not show up and then Correct. threaten threaten the judge you know <laughs> dare the judge to actually lock them up for it no yeah. there's no way you're going to take yeah. my cell phone away that's like my third arm no <laughs> yeah. for like 4 weeks no i don't yeah. think so yeah well, uh, interesting topic. Uh, her case is likely going to go to trial sometime this year. We will, of course, keep our eyes on that and update everyone uh, as things develop. But in the meantime, that is our show. And Jeanette, thank you again so much for coming on this week. Where can people find out more about you? Well, I'm on Twitter, uh, at Anjanette5. I'm on Instagram, uh, at Anjanette. And... Um, I host Crime Fix. It's a daily crime show every day on Law and Crime's YouTube channel. So there you have it. And I've checked it out and I've been a guest on You've it. You've been and a guest. A You're a great guest. A, <laughs> thank you. It's a fabulous show and everybody should definitely uh, check it out. You do a wonderful job. 
Um, in the meantime, I'm your host, Josh Ritter. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at, uh, and yes, now even TikTok at Joshua Ritter ESQ, uh, or as always at joshuaritter.com. You can find our sidebar episodes wherever you get your podcasts. And we want to hear from you. If you've got questions or comments or even future guests you'd like to hear from, tweet us your comments with the hashtag TCD Sidebar. And thank you again for joining us at the True Crime Daily Sidebar. You know that science solves crimes. Forensic science is exciting, challenging, and most of all, rewarding work. But there is a shortage of qualified individuals in this field. Hi, I'm Terry with Loyola University of Maryland's Forensic Science Department. Loyola is one of the only colleges in the country offering advanced degrees in forensic pattern analysis and biological forensics. Our courses, taught by forensic experts, feature hands-on training and small class sizes. They are based on real crime scene and forensic examiner training programs to ensure you are ready to make a difference. Our programs are open to students from a variety of academic backgrounds because we believe everyone can contribute to solving crimes. So what are you waiting for? Discover the excitement of forensic science at Loyola University, Maryland. Visit loyola.edu forward slash forensic for more information. That's loyola.edu forward slash forensic because you are ready to make a difference. Join one of Loyola University Maryland's forensic science programs today.